What's going on, guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. I have completed 100 drafts so far this summer, and so I've learned a lot about what players I like and don't like at their ADP. Today, we're going to take a look at who I've drafted the most and go over why I found them to be such great values this season. First up, we've got my highest rostered quarterback. That's Kirk Cousins. I'm sure many of you are expecting to see uh, one of the early round quarterbacks here. And don't get me wrong, I have a ton of Jalen Hurts, a ton of Joe Burrow, a lot of Trevor Lawrence. But I end up with a bunch of Kirk Cousins because honestly, it's just so difficult for him to fail at his current ADP. Cousin is currently the 13th quarterback off boards. He's my quarterback 12, so it's not like I have him, you know, fifth or something crazy like that. I don't have him super high, but when I say he goes in a gross range, I mean, I mean, the wide receivers going around him are Tyler Boyd, Sky Moore, Alan Lazard, Odell, Juju, the running backs are Samaja Pirine, Brian Robinson, Penny, Damian Harris, Devon A-Chain. At tight end, there honestly isn't anyone. It's like kind of like Evan Ingram and Joku going before him, and then it's way, way back behind him for Chigakonkwo, so he doesn't even go in a range where you can draft a tight end. So I typically get to this range. I look at the skill players. Nothing really piques my interest besides maybe Sky Moore, but oftentimes he's off the board at that time. And I'm just like, okay, why not Kirk Cousins? I mean, Cousins has three straight seasons of at least 4,200 passing yards and at least 29 passing touchdowns. He's finished as a quarterback 11, 11, and 8 over the last three years. He has the best wide receiver in football right now as his wide receiver one, a top three to five tight end, depending on who you ask. I would probably say top three, especially if we're only counting receiving, which is really what we care about for the passing numbers for Kirk Cousins. And now a first round pick in Jordan Addison. Plus, do we really think there is a risk that the Vikings are going to run the ball a ton this season? They have Madison, Ty Chandler, and Dwayne McBride at running back compared to the studs I just mentioned in the receiving game. They have finished third in the league with 39.6 pass attempts per game last season, and I would be shocked if they didn't finish in that same range or even higher this year. To me, he's just a slam dunk pick, especially when he comes in the double-digit rounds in a range where there's nothing all that exciting at the other positions. When looking at my highest-rostered wide receiver, it is not even close, and I'm almost embarrassed to say how much I have because I know that when you plan on drafting over 250 teams, which is what I plan on doing this season, you're supposed to diversify a little bit. You're not supposed to roster someone at as high a rate as I have rostered Marvin Mims, almost twice as much as any other wide receiver I have drafted Marvin Mims. But I just can't help myself. Like He is the 70th wide receiver off boards, which is a complete joke. Marvin Mims was the first draft pick in the Sean Payton era, so a player who had the best high school career in Texas football history, then had one of the most efficient college careers in NCAA history, was then the first player Sean Payton wanted to draft as he looks to rebuild this Broncos offense. And you actually think there are 69 better picks to make at only the wide receiver position? No, there just simply are not. Now, 
I don't know what the Broncos are going to do with their wide receiver room. Like Judy's a lock to stay. Um, obviously, Mims is. They just drafted him in the second round. But I honestly don't know what their plans are between Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. Um, what I think they should do is trade away Cortland Sutton, start Mims, uh, start Judy, start Tim Patrick. But it's possible that just given how many injuries they've had in recent years that they really just want to keep all four of them just in case someone gets injured, right? Like they have just, it's been tough, you know, for the Broncos wide receiver core in recent seasons, just struggling through all these injuries. And so maybe they do look at that and they're like, listen, I know we've caught four. I know we only need three, but if one of them gets hurt, we're going to want that extra one. But my point is that if they stick with four, Mims is still a great pick as by far their best deep threat. So he's going to be someone that when they need someone to stretch the field, which you do on most plays, he's going to be the guy they want to put in there. Uh, and just, I mean, remember some of those spiked weeks with Lockett and Wilson back in Seattle. Like Wilson can still get the ball deep downfield. He can post some big numbers with an elite deep threat. But what if they don't keep all four? What if they actually do decide to trade away Cortland Sutton? Well, now Mims becomes the best pick in fantasy at his current ADP. So he's either going to be a really good pick, someone who's going to peak late in the season, which we love, and is going to give you massive weekly and season-long upside, or he's the best pick in the draft as a very high upside day one starter on an offense with a lot of potential this season. Those are the type of picks you want to make late in drafts. Those are the picks that will win you leagues, especially when they come in the later rounds. The risk with busting here is minimal. Literally, who cares at the wide receiver 70 if you end up with a bust? But I'm not even sure that's in his range of outcomes. I think the ceiling is phenomenal, way higher than people truly think. And so he is a fantastic late round pick. My second highest rostered wide receiver, who I still obviously have a lot of, my second highest rostered player, uh, is Brandon Cooks. And this one, it just feels too easy almost. Like Dallas really missed Amari Cooper last season. And so, you know, they had to go out. They had to try and acquire a consistent wide receiver too, who's also an elite deep threat. I mean, that is what Amari Cooper is, or at least was to them when they had CeeDee Lamb. Now Amari Cooper obviously trying to be the wide receiver one for the Browns. And Gallup is fine, right? He's a fine wide receiver too, but he wasn't someone that was scaring defenses at all. Every defense that went there knew, okay, well, if we're looking at this wide receiver core, we really only need to focus on CD Lamb. And so that was hurting because they were just asking Lamb to do too much. They were asking him to do everything in the passing game. And now I feel like everyone in the back of their minds is like, okay, yeah, but maybe like young Brandon Cooks could have done that, but Brandon Cooks is old now. Brandon Cooks is the same age as Amari Cooper, of Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill. He is a little bit younger than Cooper Cup, Devonta Adams. He is two years younger, I guess more like a year and a half, but a year and a half to two years younger than Keenan Allen. So people have these age concerns with Brandon Cooks, who's the 43rd wide receiver off boards, but not with all of these wide receivers going the top three rounds of the draft. I'd have more concerns with a first-round pick being 29 than the 43rd wide receiver off boards being 29, which is not too old. 29 is still in the prime of wide receiver's career. It's generally 27 to 29. And so there is no concern 
for the age. And if you're wondering if there's been a drop-off, maybe you're like, okay, maybe he's not old, but he's like breaking down. He's not being very good. Honestly, if you look at like the underlying metrics, he's had like the best seasons of his career these last two years with Houston. If you look just at last season, he posted an above average success rate on every single deep and intermediate route last season. He beat man and press coverage at an extremely high rate. The overall production was like somewhat down from what we're used to, but that's because he was battling through injuries. I believe he was like benched for a game. He was on a tanking team. He was catching passes from Davis Mills, Kyle Allen, a splash of Jeff Driscoll. Like, of course you're going to have a bad season under those circumstances. I'm not even sure how he caught over 61% of his targets in that situation. This year, he's going to go back to very high-end quarterback play, and I absolutely think he is going to see over 100 targets this season. It will be the clear wide receiver two on Dallas with plenty of spiked weeks that can either win you your season-long matchups or greatly increase your odds of advancing and increasing your ROI on underdog. And you know what else will increase those two? Free money and free access to my rankings, which is what everyone watching this video now has access to. All you have to do is sign up for your first underdog account today using promo code FFA. That is it. They'll then match your first deposit up to $100. So if you deposit $75, they'll turn it into $150. Plus, you'll get free access to my underdog rankings, free access to my strategy articles, and my strategy app for, you guessed it, free. I know that many of you only play in season-long leagues, and I get it. Like I was in your shoes a few years ago, but I can't even begin to explain to you how enjoyable underdog is. And that's coming from someone who does not have time to sit down and complete an entire draft at really any point throughout the day. I'm far too busy to do that. I just join a bunch of the slow drafts so I can make my picks when I wake up, when I'm eating lunch, when I'm at the gym, on a walk, going to bed. Like There are a million times that you can find a few minutes to make some picks and that's what's so awesome about underdogs like sure you know i'll join my few hometown leagues i'll be in like two to three season long leagues this season i'll hope that the handful of players i draft in those leagues don't happen to get hurt but i would rather also draft my like 250 teams on underdog because i know that over time i have an edge over other people, and you'll have that same edge as well if you're using my rankings, given that they are top three in industry accuracy over the last three years. So again, use promo code FFA. You'll get all of that content for free. So now that we all have an account, we're all using the rankings. The fourth player we'll go over today that you should be drafting is my highest rostered running back, and that's actually Jonathan Taylor. I was pretty surprised when I opened up the app and I saw that. But then I remembered uh, his ADP and one that I understood, you know, why I had so much of him. I alluded to this in yesterday's video, but I'm pretty sure the market is now overcorrecting a mistake they made earlier this summer. Because at the beginning of the summer, I mean, Taylor was consistently being drafted in the first round. He was the second or third running back off boards many of the time. And like, for as much as I love him as a player, that's obviously too early this season. And so I and many others talked about how, well, we need to downgrade his rushing touchdown projection because Anthony Richardson's the quarterback now and he's going to steal goal line work. Like That's why he's not a first-round pick. But I'll show you the graphic on the screen, which you can see for free for any player on my website, any player you want to see this for, completely free on my website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. But it clearly shows 
the downward trend in ADP for Jonathan Taylor, who's now going at pick 18 and who I've now gotten a few times at the round two, three turn. I mean, come on. Like, I don't care who his quarterback is. Jonathan Taylor should not be going that late. He had over 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns as a rookie, even starting the season as a part-time player. Then he had 2,171 yards and 20 touchdowns in year two before hurting his ankle last season, only playing 11 games on a team that only won two of those 11 games, and he still managed 91 yards per game and four touchdowns. He'll now be just 24 years old all season, will be 100% recovered from the ankle injury, and his only backups are Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, and Evan Hall. And you're telling me I can get that player at pick 18, sometimes into the early 20s, to pair with a top three player and one of the first picks in round three? Fellas, like, fantasy does not always need to be very difficult. Draft Jonathan Taylor in this range every single time and say thank you. At tight end, my highest roster tight end is actually a tie. I have equal amounts of TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews, so let's break down why. When we are looking at like an early to mid-round tight end, the goal, not always going to happen, almost never going to happen, to be honest, but the goal is to draft someone who can compete with Travis Kelsey. Kelsey is obviously the best tight end, but you know, you can only get him if you have like a top six or seven pick. And so when you're trying to get someone, you know, in round three, four, five sometimes for Hawkins and he falls there, the approach is can I get someone who can post similar, just get close enough to where there's not a chasm between Kelsey and the tight end that you drafted? Because then you're gaining that same sort of edge as your opponent, but you also have a first-round pick. You know, you didn't lose it taking Kelsey, and so that's going to give you an edge over everyone, really. So why do I think these two can get there? Well, first off, I trust both offenses. Like, the Ravens were bad last season, but they have been a very consistently elite offense when they have Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Last season was an outlier. Everyone got hurt. Literally everyone at all positions was injured last season. Of course, they're not going to be good. Of course, they're going to play slower, not have very many plays in total. Scoring is going to be down. Like, Of course, that is obviously going to happen. Um, Lamar's back this season. Everyone's healthy. They're going to be phenomenal. And then, you know, we already talked about Kirk Cousins earlier. The Vikings are going to throw it a ton. Kirk Cousins has very consistently been a very high-end producer. And so I completely trust both of these offenses. We also can look at past production, right? I mean, we can't just like fully project here. We need to be like, have they done it before? I mean, Mark Andrews has been the tight end four, four, one, and three in points per game over the last four years. Well, Hawkinson was fourth last season, but he's been highly productive at a very young age of his career. He now has the sixth most receptions ever for a tight end over the first four years of their career before turning age 26. So if we're looking at Early production for tight ends, only five tight ends have more receptions over that time than Hawkinson, and it's like a complete list of Hall of Famers. He's going to be fantastic. He now has 246 receptions before turning 26. Remember, Kelsey didn't have a single reception until his age 25 season. This is really, really good to see is this much early production for tight ends in their career. Because, I mean, let's be honest, like tight ends, 
very difficult position to transition to. But remember, like, Hawkinson was taken eighth overall in 2019. He has elite athleticism. He has the production to back it up. He's now on an extremely high-volume passing offense. It's just like literally everything that you look for for high-end production is there. And then look at, okay, well, when he transitioned to the Vikings, what did he do? His season-long pace last season on the Vikings, if you exclude the game where, like, you know, the starters dressed for it, but we knew they weren't going to play the full game, they got pulled, the division locked up, that was the last week of the season, exclude that game. His season-long pace was 117 receptions, 1,074 yards, and five touchdowns. So he's capable of over 110 receptions, and I have gotten him in the fifth round at times this season. That's amazing value. So... When we look at both of these players, I truly believe these two are by far the most likely to match the production that Travis Kelsey is going to have this season. Because Kelsey is going to be great. You're going to have to beat the teams that have Travis Kelsey. He's going to be awesome this season. I'm not expecting any sort of drop off. So if you want to try and approach that, but also spend a later pick, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, those are your best bets to do that. So... Those are my highest rostered players at each position right now, and they likely will be for you if you use my rankings, which again, you can upload directly to Underdog for free. All you have to do is sign up for your first account using promo code FFA. That is it. And then I will set you up with an account. I'll be back tomorrow for another episode of Mock Draft Monday, live Tuesday night, 6.30 Eastern to answer any questions you guys come with and to do a draft live with all of you. And then Wednesday to, I believe, release my full tight end rankings. But that, my friends, is it this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, how about hitting the like button and how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.